Grace, peace, and mercy is yours from the triune God. Amen. I recently read that there's literally a psychological disorder called Jerusalem Syndrome, in which people returning from visiting the Holy Land exhibit irrational and obsessive religious fervor. It's an actual thing. As many of you know, I just returned from two weeks in the land called Holy, and so I just wanted to assure you, I do not have Jerusalem Syndrome. If anything, I have whatever the opposite of that would be. While I loved so much of what I experienced, tonight I want to tell you about what I did not love. I did not love visiting what is called the Abraham Mosque, otherwise known as the Tomb of the Patriarchs, otherwise known as that piece of ground in Hebron, referred to in Genesis, as the land that Abraham bought and where he and Sarah and Leah and Rebecca and Jacob are all buried. To visit this particular holy site, if you can get through the Israeli checkpoints and metal detectors and 20-year-old soldiers with AK-47s, you will enter a building with six-foot-thick walls made from stones that are at least three feet tall and sometimes reach a length of 24 feet. Those huge walls around the tomb of Abraham, Sarah, and the other ancestors of the Jewish, Christian, and Muslim faiths were put in place a few decades before the birth of Christ by the Jewish ruler Herod the Great. Although, let's be honest, most likely they were built by slaves under Herod's rule. I doubt he lifted a thing. (laughs) Then, when the Byzantine Empire ruled the area, they built a Christian basilica on that site. Not sure what happened to the people who were there before. Then, that was destroyed by the Persian Empire, and they built a mosque on the site. Not sure what happened to the people who were there before. Then when the Christian crusaders conquered the land, they built a crusader church on that site and then forbid the Muslims to enter. Then years later, the Muslims conquered again and they made the crusader church back into a mosque and then forbid the Jews from entering. And now today, the largely Jewish state of Israel has this so-called holy site surrounded by soldiers holding AK-47s, it felt like the least holy place I'd ever been in my entire life. So I found it hard not to be cynical about that place, about how it is such a symbol of the worst of humanity and religion. And it all made me wonder, in what do we actually put our hope? Do we try and claim God as our own and nervously fix in time and space the symbols of God's faithfulness? And when we do that, does it just seem like more of an act of our own faithlessness than anything else? And as though if we encounter God in one place, we have to ensure that that place is protected because, well, what if God doesn't show up again? Do we perhaps end up placing more hope and trust in a place or in an institution than in God? And to be honest, at times I felt that with this very congregation myself. House for all is so beautiful, and I sense God at work in and among us, and so I find myself wanting to protect it, to build walls of large stones around it, to defend it from outsiders, but God just doesn't seem to give a flip about our little efforts to domesticate God into our own agendas. Here's why I mention this. Those outrageously large stones I described at the beginning, the ones Herod built, 
Same stones as the ones Herod used to make up the temple Jesus and his disciples were talking about in our gospel text for today. There is still one section of that temple wall that still stands from Jesus' day. You might have heard of it referred to as the Wailing Wall. And indeed, there's much to wail about. The last few days have seen such violence in the land that we call holy. There is war there, or maybe just rumors of war. But given all of this, let's listen again to today's reading, shall we? As he came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what large stones and what large buildings. Then Jesus asked him, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left here upon another. All will be thrown down. And Jesus began to say to them, Beware that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name and say, I am he, and they will lead many astray. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is still to come. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be earthquakes in various places, and there will be famines. And Jesus could have been talking about November 2012. Jesus looks at his disciples, and knowing how impressed they are with the permanence and hope of the temple, he takes a stick pin to the bubble they're living in, and he pops it. He just is kind of like that sometimes. So this week I started to wonder what my own bubble might be. What large stones am I so reliant upon still standing in my own life? What do I treat as eternal that is not? What must stand in order for me to still place my hope in God? Maybe the health and safety of my family, or the longevity of my denomination, or the economy, or the fact that I can walk down the road without fear of missile attack. As his disciples gaze upon the temporary thing in which they place their hope, Jesus doesn't say that having a temple is wrong. He totally hung out there all the time. He just said that the temple, still standing, is not the ultimate sign that God is faithful. There's nothing wrong with wanting my family to be healthy or for this congregation to thrive or my denomination to still be around or to be safe on my own streets, but, but these things are not eternal. These things cannot love me the way God can love me. Jesus was right, of course. The temple his disciples were so impressed with actually was destroyed in the year 70 AD. But it wasn't God who destroyed it. It was Rome, another empire. And Jesus was right. There will be wars and rumors of wars. There will be destruction, false prophets, and famine. There will be the Left Behind book series. <laughs> In the decline and fall of the hostess cupcake. <laughs> All of this will happen, Jesus says, and very little of this will have anything to do with God. Because God doesn't actually cause any of it. But God does bear all of it. God bears all of our sin and our suffering. That's what the cross was about. A God who became flesh took all of our violence and hatred and all of our wall-building sins into his own body. The flesh of God made flesh bore all of it on the cross so that it's actually finished. There is nothing to be had through the walls and violence that we are so addicted to because God upturned our systems of violence and power over as a blameless victim 
taking it all into God's crucified body so that God no longer meets us in a shiny big temple of ruling political or religious power, but in that very body of Christ, in all the ways of speaking of the body of Christ, in Jesus' own flesh and in the Eucharist and in the church. This is a servant God who disarms the violence of humanity and offers God's own blessings and grace in exchange It was the blessed exchange of those things that has never made any sense and has always made all of the difference. The death and resurrection of Jesus is nothing less than the everlasting and irrevocable yes of God. Jesus in this text is saying to his disciples that the temple in which they place their hope will be torn down, but that doesn't mean hope itself will be torn down because Jesus is the new temple. And we tried to do it to him, but he rose again, and with him our hope. It is God and not symbols of God that lives. It is God and not institutions related to God that lives. And it is God and not places where we experience God that lives. So as the writer of Hebrews said, let us hold fast to the confession of our true hope without wavering. For he who is promised is faithful. And he who has promised is faithful in a way that walls and empire and efforts to domesticate God and placing our trust in ourselves can never be. So that finally, there is only one thing worthy of our trust, and that will never be torn down. And it is simply not a wall or an empire we might build to protect us. And it is certainly not a tradition or place associated with Abraham. But brothers and sisters, it is and it will always be the God of Abraham. Amen.